You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. If I have the chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it's awesome to have you with us, those in person watching online. And before we jump into God's word this morning, I want to mention a couple things. One, last night was our fall fest, if you didn't know that, and uh, uh, we have some pictures we want to show. Just give a little highlight, and just want to say a big thank you to Jamie Weaver, who's our, uh, the director of Calvary Preschool Center, and Pastor Ron uh, with Calvary Kids, both of their teams pulled this whole night off, and it was amazing. Even with the rain, moved inside, uh, had a lot of fun. I know my kids had a blast, and uh, just want to say a big thank you to them, and just thank you to everyone that came out and made that night possible. Uh, last thing, <clears throat> uh, next week, we are starting a new series uh, called Crushed, and uh, many of you here in person should have gotten a card when you came in, and uh, what we're going to be talking about throughout the month of November is what happens when life crushes you. How do you respond? How do you react? And uh, next week, uh, our fall, it was our fall baptisms. We're going to be kicking off talking about crushed by our mistakes. Uh, the week after that, we're going to be talking about crushed by the unexpected, which is our Hero Sunday. I'm going to be interviewing Pam and Mary Serrano. Pam was a uh, news reporter for KDK for many years, and her, uh, her kids were in a, a bad accident last year. We're going to be kind of walking through that experience. And then the week after that, we're going to be talking about crushed by others' words, And then we'll close out the series talking about crushed by God's goodness. So that's going to be the month of November. Awesome opportunity to invite a friend. Uh, If you know someone walking through a difficult time, we're going to be looking at that uh, this this next month. So today, we're we're closing out a series we've been walking through this month called Don't Be an Idiot. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, don't be an idiot. You're giving permission. Don't be an idiot. Um, if you're watching a line, don't text that to someone because they might not understand the context and it just won't land right. But we've been walking through the book of Proverbs talking about where it says, don't be a fool. And, and we've been talking about don't be an idiot. If, if this, is, this has been a really practical month, if you've really enjoyed it or want to get more out of it, you might not be aware of this, but we podcast our messages every week. And if you go to calvaryerwin.com, our website, you can subscribe to our podcast. And actually, every week uh, while you're driving or working out or Whatever you're doing, like trying to go to sleep, that's a good one. Um, if you struggle, your kids struggle to go to sleep, just put my voice on, and I promise you, out. It doesn't work for my kids, but it might work, it'll probably work for yours. But um, we've been walking through this practical message, and today uh, we're going to be closing it out. You know, one of the most stress-inducing, anxiety-producing things present in our world today uh, that we kind of have a love-hate relationship with <clears throat> is time time. More than our money, more than our stuff, sometimes even more than our relationships. We so value our time. It's because in our eyes, time is fleeting. It slips away and we'll never see it again. In our culture, at least, we view time in this very, as this very linear component of life. In other words, we journey along this time continuum to never return to the place we're in right now ever again. And the struggle we have with time isn't simply based on how we measure it, but how we measure something else with it, and that's progress. We, we look at the clock and we determine how much time of it, how much time we have left at work or, or at home and, and what we could possibly accomplish in that period of time that we are given. We look at our kids and we determine how effectively they've developed based on the length of time 
since they were born. And we try to value, are, are, they, are they progressing well? Are they growing well? Or are they in the right place? Or, or time is this measurement by which we determine progress and this length of, this, the, the, the severity of progress. I, I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced uh, being stuck in traffic and we're sitting there, we're frustrated, we're not moving, and we've sent some version of this frustrating message to someone. I've been sitting here for an hour and I haven't moved more than 50 feet. Uh, maybe you've done that before, maybe, hopefully you didn't do it today, but what we're saying in that message is that through the measurement of time, I've made absolutely no progress. You know, a few years ago, uh, I was stuck on Route 30. It was the middle of the winter. Uh, a trailer truck got stuck going up a hill, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, we are not going anywhere. I ended up sitting there for probably like two, two and a half hours. I mean, just not moving. And it was snowing. It was like the best thing in the world. I put my chair back. I closed my eyes. I'm like, it's peace and quiet. I have no excuses. Everything is canceled. Here I am enjoying my peace and quiet. Sometimes, you know, there's progress that can be made there. Um, but, but we hate that. We hate that the, the a feeling of not making any progress. And the large majority of disappointments, of frustrations and letdowns in our lives are the result of unmet progress over the period of, of a certain time. Uh, maybe you've, you've thought this, I, I thought I'd be married by this point in my life. I thought I'd have kids by now. I thought we, I'd be further along in my career. I thought I'd be living in a bigger house or have more money or drive a better car or have more friends, be happier. And the list can go on and on and on and on. You see, time isn't simply something we measure simply with a clock. But time so often defines the progress in our lives. But, but here's the question I want to ask today. What if... What if reviewing time all wrong? Now, let, me, let me explain. Lewis Mumford, who's an author, he wrote uh, his, in his classic in 1934, Techniques and Civilization, that the clock, not the steam engine, is the key machine of the modern industrial age. And, and due to the mechanical clock, timekeeping passed into time serving and time accounting and time rationing. Mumford later explains that as this took place, eternity ceased gradually to serve as the measure and focus of human actions. Humanity's relationship to time was forever changed as abstract time became the new medium of existence. Organic functions themselves were regulated by it. One ate, not upon feeling hungry, but when prompted by the clock. One slept, not when one was tired, but when the clock sanctioned it. And, and it was true in 1934, and even more so today, that we have become servants, if not slaves, to our clocks, our watches, and ultimately to time. With our kids, we want to maximize every second of the 157,776 hours we're given with them until they graduate high school. Some of you are just like stressed out thinking about that. At work, we have eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, whatever your shift is, to get all the work done. And we watch the clock moving oftentimes faster than our hands can get things done. And we feel overwhelmed by that. We sit in line at a drive-thru wondering what is taking them so long. We, we, we impatiently wait for that cashier at the grocery store to stop talking and get on with scanning that person's groceries. We can't figure out what's their problem. We have more apps, tools, and resources than ever before to manage our time, but yet 
We have more anxiety about where our time is going, more stress about how our time is spent, and more fear that we're wasting time than ever before. And as we close out this month's series, Don't Be an Idiot, today we want to talk about don't be an idiot with your time. And, you know, it's really appropriate. It's amazing how God works. You know, we had this planned a long time ago, and this happens to be the week that my daughter gets sick, and, like, the schedules go out the window, and, you know, time is fleeting. So I didn't write a message today, so I'm just going to walk out, and you guys will be good. I'm kidding. Um, but but it's, it's, it's amazing how, in the moments, God pushes us into these places to realize we're all a little more addicted to time than we even realize. You might expect today to walk away from this message with more tools, maybe more life hacks to make the most of your time, to be more efficient, to maximize like every second you've got. After all, if that's how we measure progress and God really wants to see progress in our lives, maximizing every second would make logical sense. But we're not gonna talk about ways to make the most of your minutes or your moments but I want to look at time from an entirely different angle than maybe you have before. You see, throughout the book of Proverbs that we've been walking through this month and, and really the rest of Scripture, we are provided with this unique, somewhat counterintuitive approach to our time. What we learn in Scripture that we'll be looking at today is that maximizing our time isn't going to fix the problems or issues we deal with concerning our time. The real issue isn't our practice or use of time, but instead, it's our perspective of time. And, and this is the simple, simple kind of concept I want to share with you today. That progress is made in seasons, not in seconds. Progress is made in seasons, not in seconds. The approach we see in scripture and, and the approach we're talking about to not be an idiot with our time is really more geared toward how you define your time, not simply how you use it, how you manage it, or, or even how you measure it. Now, to kick this off, I want to do kind of a fun informal, informal survey by, by raising your hand. How many of you have an alarm clock next to your bed? An actual alarm clock, okay? All right. How many of you, you can put your hands down, how many of you have like your phone or tablet or watch or something? All right. It's like a third and two thirds there. It's, it's, in, it's interesting how we all measure time so differently, don't, isn't it? Uh, some of us have watches, some of us don't. Some of us have Apple, Apple watches or, or digital watches that do everything for us. Uh, the one thing, though, that unites all of us is that each and every one of us are only given 24 hours every day. 24 hours. We can't add a single hour to our day. We can't add a single day to our week. We would love to do that, but we can't. And, and this is what often stresses us out. Our time is so fleeting. But did you know it hasn't always been that way? The human race's relationship with and perspective of time forever changed in the 13th century with the invention of the mechanical clock. The first recorded weight-driven mechanical clock was installed in 1283 in Dunstable Priory in Bedfordshire, England. Uh, it's no surprise that the Roman Catholic Church played a major role in the invention and development of clock technology. So when you are mad that the clock is ticking too fast, you can blame the church, okay? <laughs> With their strict observance of prayer times by monastic orders, they had a big need for more reliable instruments to keep track of their time. So they funded the creation of the clock. 
On top of that, the, the, the growth of urban populations throughout Europe during the second half of the 13th century created this huge demand for improved timekeeping devices. So the mechanical clock was born in the 13th century and continued to take off till today. And as the human race's approach to time changed from that moment on, consequently, what time produced in each of our lives also would be forever changed. Now let me explain how this change has, has been most evident by looking at something vocabulary teaches us about time. In ancient Greek culture, there were two different words used to define time. And they encompass two very different views of time. The gap between these two approaches became even wider after the invention of the mechanical clock. So to understand the difference of how scripture generally teaches about time and the shift that occurred with the invention of the mechanical clock, let's look at the definitions of these two words that Greeks used ultimately to describe time. The first one is chronos time. Chronos time refers to time as a specific duration or sequence. For example, it's 11.16 a.m. Uh, that's chronos. That's a specific time, a specific sequence. Uh, uh, the, other, the other one is kairos time. Kairos time is a seasonal, cyclic approach to time. Uh, for, for example, it's fall right now. It's the right time to put up corn stalks or bales of hay outside your house, not inside your house. Um, that, that'll come the next season coming where we move trees inside our house. So just wait, that time will come. Uh, it's the time we drink pumpkin spice lattes or apple cider or those, whatever your choice is. Kairos is three-dimensional. It includes time, space, and meaning. In other words, it's time as story. Kronos, however, is flat. It references simply time and space. Now, prior to the mechanical clocks, it was easier to experience the kairos dimension of time as the natural ebbs and flows of time followed the movement of the sun, the cycles of the moon, and the rhythms of the seasons all uh, geared toward or relation to a specific location. But in the Western world today, we have become increasingly obsessed with the efficient use of chronos time. In fact, in 1881, American neurologist George Beard listed clocks and watches among the causes of what he described as an epidemic of nervousness. He would go on to write, they compel us to be on time, listen, this is 1881, okay? They compel us to be on time and excite the habit of looking to see the exact moment so as not to be late for trains or appointments. He had no idea that one day we would have Apple watches that we don't even have to look at anymore. They just vibrate our wrists and tell us we're late or that we should turn left or whatever. I'm not sure how that's supposed to work. Like, I'm supposed to watch my watch to tell me directions. But, uh, that, like, it's amazing how that's even gotten further down the road. And when you hear that, that reality with time and compared to the wisdom you read about in the book, this book called the Bible, you see the huge divide or difference between that, between what God's word says and what we currently experience. It's because the majority of the passages in the Bible mentioning time don't refer to Kronos time, but rather an, a Kairos approach to time. And, and it makes you wonder why. Like, why is that the case? Why does the Bible not talk so much about this? Why does the Bible talk so much about the seasons and cycles and not so much about the minutes and the moments? 
it? Is it simply because mechanical clocks weren't invented yet? Was it because they didn't have mobile phones, mobile watches, or, or even the technology to measure time in the way we do today? Well, I think it, it might be because obsessing about the individual ticks of the clock doesn't produce in us what God really desires for us. You see, the Bible is often less focused on what we're producing and rather on what something is producing in us. And this is why it's important to understand that progress is made in seasons, not in seconds. In Proverbs that we've been walking through this month, in chapter six, verse six, we read this analogy that's kind of painted, this picture, word picture that's painted. And it says this, go to the ant, you sluggard, Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler. In other words, no one's telling the ant what to do. Verse eight, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Two different actions. Stores its provisions in summer, gathers its food at harvest. This analogy is referencing the importance of recognizing the seasons, kairos, not simply the specific moments, chronos. And for the ant, provisions aren't simply gathered and progress isn't accomplished in one moment, but, but over the course of one season. Now, one of the great passages in all of scripture, when we're looking at this idea of time, isn't actually found in the book of Proverbs, but in another book written by the same author, which was Solomon, King Solomon. It's found, this passage is found in the third chapter of a book called Ecclesiastes. And in the opening of this chapter, Solomon explains the cycles and purposes of time. And here's, here's what he wrote in, in Ecclesiastes chapter three, starting in verse one. He said, there is a time for everything and a season. Uh, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Some of you just realized for the very first time that famous song by the birds wasn't written by the birds. It was written by Solomon. Hopefully he got royalties for that one. One of the concepts in these verses with this concept of Kairos time that we see kind of illustrated uh, as he goes through all of these different times for this and a time for that, was this idea of ripeness, ripeness. Uh, that, that things happen when the season of time is ripe or ready rather than when the minute hand strikes the correct number. This idea of ripeness. And, and it conveys this idea that things are oftentimes more organic in nature and how they develop. Uh, in, in fact, uh, in the first Greek translations of the Bible, each use of the, the word time in this passage, in Ecclesiastes 3, was translated as kairos, not chronos. So if you want to read this on your own, read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, these verses. Replace the word time with season, where it says, there is a season to be born, a season to die, a season to plant, a season to uproot, 
a season to weep and a season to laugh. Think, think, think about if you replace the word, it communicates something entirely different. We put the pressure in the moment. And what, what Solomon is trying to talk about here, what he's writing, is that it's not in the moment, but in the season. Uh, this is because the intent of Solomon in these verses was to communicate that life and time is cyclical, not simply linear. In other words, what is happening right now isn't the final happening. The Susan season will soon change. Some, some of you with, with kids, this is really, really difficult. I have four kids, I understand. Like, it's really hard. Because you think, they're only gonna be five once. They're only 15 once. Some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> They're only this age once. Like, this is one less, I'm only have, you know, this Halloween with them this time. Like, I'm only gonna take them out trick-or-treating when they're six once and never again. And we put this pressure on the moments. And, and Solomon's trying to communicate here that life is cyclical. It's not just uh, so linear. That's what he's trying to, to communicate. In other words, what is happening right now doesn't have to be our final happening. So maybe you find yourself today in a difficult season. Keep pressing on because time will bring about new seasons, new chapters, new opportunities to grow. We aren't defined in a moment, but progress comes in seasons. Progress is made in seasons, not in seconds. In, in 1985, a group of South African theologians wrote a response to recent crackdowns that were happening with the apartheid government in South Africa at that time. They used the language of this passage for this import, their important response. They, they, they called this document the Kairos document, and it began with this statement, the time has come, the moment of truth has arrived, communicating this idea of ripeness, that, that the time was ripe. What they were communicating throughout this response was a strong sense uh, of this time being ripe for change. The fate of South Africa was hanging in the balance and their actions in this season could have the power to change the actual course of history. And this idea of ripeness with Cairo's time is summed up so well just a few verses later in Ecclesiastes 3, chapter 11. Here's what it said. It said, he has made everything, speaking of God, he has made everything beautiful. Wait, what are those words? What's it say there? In its time that things become beautiful when they are ripe. In its time. He also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This verse is one of the most profound statements in all of scripture on this concept of time. Because it puts time in its place. That time is not something to measure life by, but rather something to track the development of life with. The progression of what is ripe becoming fully realized with all the tolls available to us today. We have never been more equipped to maximize every second of every day. We, we have things on our phone that can track our calendar, uh, our movement, I mean, it's amazing the tools we have available to us. But what if our goal in life wasn't to maximize our minutes? What if our goal was actually to maximize our seasons? You see, in such a fast-paced world, 
where change can happen moment to moment, even sometimes second to second. What God is doing in you isn't gonna be defined simply in a moment. It isn't even always defined in one day or even one year. Maybe, maybe you've had one of those days. Maybe you're walking through one of those years. As a survivor of many of those days and in those years, God has continually shown what he can accomplish with us, what he is developing in us, and ultimately how he defines us is never gonna be determined simply in a moment. It isn't even accomplished in a minute, but it happens in seasons. Throughout the Bible, there are a lot of references uh, using these farming analogies. We see this in the book of Ecclesiastes, but elsewhere in scripture. And, and, and the, the illustration is so powerful that there are seasons to till the ground, seasons to plant seeds, seasons to harvest, and even seasons to rest. Now, you don't know this, maybe, uh, probably some of you do. I went to Derry, Derry Area High School, the pride of Westmoreland County. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Graduate of uh, the lesser uh, Greater Latrobe School District. Um, and Derry, uh, we aren't good at a whole lot of things. Um, I played basketball, we lost a lot of games. I played soccer, we also lost a lot of games. Um, maybe it was just me, probably it was. We didn't win a lot. One thing we were really good at was farming. We have one of the largest FFA clubs in Westmoreland County. I mean, kids could farm, all right? We got that part down. We had a lot of land to practice, I guess. And, and when we're looking at these farming analogies that the Bible uses, sometimes maybe we don't fully understand them because we don't connect with what is being said. Because Jesus, oftentimes, when he used those analogies, was, was speaking to a group of people who understood farming. That was something they could relate to. But, but understand this, that there is a season. There's a season that you till the ground. You prepare the ground. There's a season that you plant the seeds in that ground that was tilled. There's, there's a season that after the plants are grown that you harvest the fruit or vegetables. There, there's even a season where you let the ground rest. And the progress we see in our lives so often hinges on us understanding the seasons, us understanding the season we're in. After all, using the tolls of a planting season can be disastrous in a harvest season. You start digging up the very things you're supposed to be harvesting, you're like, you're gonna be in trouble. Maybe you've been frustrated. Maybe you're discouraged or disappointed with your life. Maybe those feelings aren't because your life is necessarily a mess, but because you are misunderstanding the Kairos time. You are misunderstanding the season that you're in. Progress is made in those seasons, not in the seconds. We strive so often to measure our effectiveness, our value, or our worth, our progress through the standard of chronos time. I am at this age, it is this time. I've been sitting in this doctor's office for this amount of time. Like we measure all the progress that, that we see in our lives on the small level and the big level, on the micro level and the macro level. We, we, we measure those so often by chronos. This, this specific measurement of time. And the result of using chronos as our standard is often more anxiety, more stress, and a lessening sense of accomplishment and purpose. Because we feel like I failed in that minute. I failed in that moment. I didn't respond the right way in that second. And then we define everything by that. 
This is because when every moment defines us, every moment dictates our effectiveness. Even when we succeed or make progress, we're just one moment from losing it all. We're just one moment from not succeeding. But God, the God that we're talking about is greater. He has a greater, healthier, and more beneficial time, our view of our time. He, he doesn't want us to get all wrapped up in the moments and the minutes, but to recognize the seasons. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter one in the ESV, here's what he wrote. He said, in him, speaking of Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. I want to stop there before we go to the next verse. All that he just described there in verses eight and nine happened in seasons, but also happened in moments. Jesus died upon a cross. That was a specific moment. Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. That was a specific moment. But, but what Paul is writing is all of those moments were part of a larger season that God was doing. Listen to what he said in verse 10. Verse 10, he said, as a plan for the fullness of time. Can you say fullness? Another way to say fullness is ripeness. As a plan for the fullness, for the ripeness of time. When when time was right to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. If you read the Bible, if you've never read the Bible, there's 66 books, okay? Uh, and, And the first Uh, 39 books you will read are the Old Testament. The first 39 books you'll read, they encompass thousands of years of history. And for those first 39 books, those thousands of years of history, Jesus is never spoken, and you never see the direct evidence of Jesus at work. He's not in the earth. He's not walking the earth. Jesus wasn't born to Mary and Joseph until the New Testament. Thousands of years into this whole journey of human existence. Why? Because it was the fullness of time. It was for the right season, for the ripeness of time. You see, in Kronos, we lose time. We just lost time. Some of you just lost an hour of your life sitting here. I am sorry. An hour, you lost it. Right? That's how we view it. With Kairos, we don't lose time. We gain progress. We gain progress. Because progress is made in seasons, not in seconds. As the worship team comes today, the truth is we will never, we will never fully function with an exclusive chronos or kairos view of time. Why? Because both are necessary. I don't know what your work schedule or your boss or your work environment is like. If you're like, hey guys, I didn't punch in on time. I know I'm like three hours late but it's all about the seasons. Like, I'm gonna make progress in this season, trust me. If I'm a little late, don't worry about it. I don't think your boss is gonna buy that, right? Or if you own your own business and, and you show up with an appointment like an hour late and you're like, I know I'm an hour late, I get it. But let me tell you a little message here. Let me listen. You can listen to it. Like progress is made in seasons, not seconds. So don't sweat it. Like you won't, have, you won't have customers for very long, okay? We don't pick one or the other. It's not an exclusive thing. They're both important. And my hope today isn't that we'd go out and burn all of our watches or turn off our clocks or completely ignore time. 
And I'm sure uh, some of you are very thankful for that because the Steelers are playing at one o'clock today. And you're like, we gotta get done, Pastor Nick. Gotta get done. Instead, uh, my hope is that we would find fulfillment, a bigger perspective, a greater sense of appreciation for the times in which we live. Rather than a fear that the time we have is quickly slipping away from our grasp, let's recognize the progress God can make in our lives through the seasons because progress is made in seasons, not in seconds. And and as we close, some of you are here today and, and there are seasons that you've been going through and you've been defining your experience on moments. And as you've been defining your spirits through those moments, you've found yourself discouraged, falling short, disappointed. You, you've, you found yourself like trying and struggling and striving and you never seem to make the progress you want because you're viewing your time and your experience through this very limited view. And, and I want you to understand something today that God is looking at you so differently. You know, in in the book of Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman church and he says that all fall short. That we've all fallen short. You've fallen short, I've fallen short. We've all fallen short. That there are moments that every single one of us will fall short. You've probably already fallen short today in some way and you will probably fall short again. Hopefully the Steelers don't. But uh, like, we fall short, we're humans. But in the fullness of time, in the right season. In in, in Jewish, the calendar was the Passover season. The fullness of time, Jesus willingly was nailed to a cross. And he hung there and died. Not just so that we could have a really cool story, not so that we can just remember. He hung there to redeem our lives but not just that, to redeem our time, to redeem our time. Some of you, you have so many mistakes in your past. Your family history is so filled with destructive behaviors, mistakes, and it feels like time is your enemy. You think it's just a matter of time till I end up like my mom or my dad. It's just a matter of time till I follow in their footsteps. It's just a matter of time till I screw this all up because everyone's told me I'm, I'm just a screw up. Everyone's told me that I will always fall short and, and, and I've allowed that idea to be ingrained in my mind and, and God is looking at you and saying, I, I wanna redeem your life, but not just your life. I wanna redeem your time, that your future could be brighter than your past ever was. Their future could be brighter than you could have ever imagined. The Bible says more than we could think, ask, or imagine. I'm not just saying that to give you warm fuzzies and get you all inspired. I'm saying this is what we read throughout this book over and over and over again that God did. Uh, Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, was a man on a mission to kill Christians. Like that was his goal in life. His time was spent chasing and hunting down Christians so he could imprison them or kill them. He was responsible for the the killing of the very first recorded Christian, the first martyr of the church, Stephen. It was Paul. And yet God in his grace and his mercy and his love pursued Paul 
and God would redeem the time in Paul's life. He would go on to write more books in the 27 books of the New Testament than any other author. He would do more to advance the gospel and build the church in the first century than any other human being aside from Jesus. Paul's time, his life was redeemed. And I don't know what you came into this place with. I know we carry baggage and we carry mistakes. And if you're watching along, you're here in person, you're saying, my time, my past is so far from what God desires. I don't know how he could ever accept me, love me, or welcome me into his family. I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell because God is in the business of redeeming time. He's in the business of redeeming our past, of transforming us. And if you're here today, in a minute, I'm gonna pray. And you'd say, Nick, today, today I wanna submit my time, my life, my future, my past. I wanna submit it to the hands of God to the hands of Jesus, that he would redeem it, that he would transform, that he would forgive me of my past, he would forgive me of my mistakes, and that he would put me on a path of purpose, that that I get to see what only God can do in the time that I'm given. Not what I can do, but only what he can do in the time I'm given. In a minute, we're gonna give you an opportunity to say, you know what, today, that's, that's where I wanna be. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you're speaking to us through your word. God, I thank you how timely your word so often is. God, that all the things that we bring to the table from this, in this room and watching online, Lord, that no one could possibly know it all, but you do. And you've brought us to this place for this moment. I pray, Lord, for those that are here that have battled, Lord, trying to, to do it on their own, trying to live their lives on their own, that today they could surrender their life, their time, their past to you and experience your forgiveness, experience your fullness, experience your purpose. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here, you're watching online, you say, Nick, I've never committed my life to Jesus. I've never, I've never surrendered my time, my past to him. I, I've, I've never experienced his redemption in my life. Or maybe I did, but I walked away from it. And today, I wanna start new, that this is a new chapter, a new season, that that my past is my past, but today I wanna start a new journey, a new chapter, a new season, where God can do stuff in my life that I never dreamed was possible. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna count to three. I'm just gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven, to say today, I'm beginning that new season, I'm beginning that new chapter. If that's you here this morning, in person or online, one, two, three. Just reach your hand, amen, amen. Anyone else today, amen. Amen. You can put your hands down this morning. I wanna pray this prayer with you. Everyone who raised your hand and those that didn't, we're a family. The Bible says we're the family of God and we celebrate and we support each other. So let's all pray this prayer with me together. And it's not a magic prayer. It's just a, 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 some magic formula. It's, it's just a conversation with God that I wanna lead you in. My hope is that this is the first of many, many conversations you have with God. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me Thank you for seeing me right where I am. In the pain, with the mistakes, with my past. Today I surrender my life to you. I surrender my time. I surrender it all to you. Forgive me. Transform me. Redeem me. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 